Welcome to the Globig Podcast, where we talk to international expansion experts from around the world to make it faster and easier for you to take your business global. Hello, everyone. I'm Anka Corbin, your host today on this Globig Podcast. Our hot international expansion topic is recruiting effectively in the UK despite Brexit. And our guest expert is Bill Armstrong, the president of Gava Talent Solutions. Gava Talent Solutions is a global leader in professional staffing and consulting services, doing business in over 150 countries. Bill, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. It's always great to talk to you. This one, this topic is going to be fun because, you know, we all talk about it all the time. And at the time of this recording, we are within a few weeks of what looks like a no deal Brexit. So no real clear guidelines around what that looks like. And let's talk a little bit about that because we're talking about recruiting and hiring. Oh, and you know how much people love uncertainty. So let's talk about that no deal Brexit. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think you just touched upon it that, you know, one of the um... Uh, uncertainty is not a friend when you're looking to recruit and to hire or decide where to put people. People crave certainty in those situations. And here we are again. I mean, this has been such, I mean, it's an understatement to say this has been a tumultuous situation and been a difficult one to follow. And there've been so many twists and turns. I don't think anybody can say definitively how any of this is going to shake out. Um, And so I think what we can just, you know, talk through a bit today is, you know, what are some of the things we, we know? And then, you know, maybe what are some ways to, to mitigate some of that uncertainty? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that we're, we're not going to go into, like all the really specifics around hiring for each country and the regulations around that, because they are a moving target, a fast moving target. But like you said, there are some trends, there are some really clear indicators. One of those being that Ireland has really benefited from this chaos, if you will, as has the EU, because they have had less uncertainty, right? Ireland is kind of nicely in the middle. Um, people feel like, all right, well, it's really close. We can do business in both. You know, what are you seeing? Is that kind of consistent in your world as well? It, it is. We are not seeing a tremendous amount. Um, actually seeing very little on our side, actually, in, in terms of companies deciding right now that they want to start conducting, you know, searches uh, to add staff, you know, in the UK. Um, that, you know, we've got a number of things going on actually in, in Paris and Germany and other parts of Europe right now. Um, but we have very little, uh, going on at the moment, you know, in the UK and I, and I don't think it's a coincidence. I think everybody's got a sort of a, a wait and see mentality on, on this and, you know, nobody wants to go in, uh, assuming one thing. And then a few weeks later, you get some news that, you know, that potentially, throws your strategy into peril. So I I think it has had, from the recruiting uh, perspective, the effect of of just kind of putting the brakes on things. And that's for international companies going into these markets. 
Yes, companies that are you know looking to really begin to beef up staff over there or say, hey, we need to be there. So now's the time we're picking to go into London or some other place um, in the UK and we want to begin hiring and we need to add these 10, 20 people, whatever it is. That's the type of thing that we're not seeing a whole lot of um, at the moment. Right. And and some of that is really some of the regulations around this in the UK, like having kind of a minimum threshold of salary and requirements for migrant workers and also having kind of more hoops to jump through. So there's this push to hire local, if you will, or to hire people from the UK first. And because of that, I imagine it's also much harder to know whether you can really hire either someone from the UK in elsewhere or people, you know, foreigners into the UK. Yeah, I, I think it's all, it, it's very, I think, confusing and it's still very fluid. And I don't think, like I said a moment ago, I just don't think people feel comfortable that they have the information, mainly because they don't have the information to make an informed, uh, educated decision of what's this going to look like a year, two, two years, three years, five years down the road. And, and it's created a tremendous amount of, of uncertainty. Um, you know, and you've got also got uncertainty, even people hiring in other places, uh, you know, this freedom of, you know, movement issue, you know, are UK nationals going to, uh, be able to freely go back and forth into the EU to work and how, how is this going to happen? And, you know, I, I don't think there's a, you know, a very, uh, I would not say that there's a crystal clear, you know, answer to that. And I, I think one of the other things that it's done is, you know, we are a couple of the searches that we are doing um, in, in the UK. It, it just really slows the process down. Um, because despite all of these things going on, the employment rate is still very high. I mean, it, it's, it, it is, you know, absolutely a, a candidate um, dominated market. And so as we're trying to show these opportunities to people and get someone interested and in potentially, you know, why this new opportunity might be better, people are more hesitant to leave their current situation. If they feel that they've got some sense of stability where they are and, you know, it's, it's a tolerable or more than a tolerable situation for them, you know, we're just hearing a lot that this just doesn't feel like the time somebody, you know, maybe should I be making this move? What's going to happen at this new company, particularly if it's a company that's just looking to get established, um, you know, or, somebody that might be at the front lines of some type of expansion, a lot of people are a little bit more leery right now uh, of leaving what they perceive to be a very stable situation um, into, you know, a situation that, that where there is this uncertainty. Um, and when you've got, you know, high employment, um, people have more, um, you know, they can call the shots. They, they're, they are employed. They've got a job. There's no sense of desperation, um, you know, for somebody looking to leave. And so that can really just kind of bog down, you know, the whole recruitment cycle. And then when you start getting into these things where it takes more time, you know, then eventually, you know, it's going to, 
than two get them out, it generally it's going to take more money. Um, the offers have to be better. The perks have to be better. There's got to be a very compelling reason um, in the situations that I'm describing to, to get somebody um, to move from one company to another. So complex issues, right? So you've got government uncertainty. You've got a high employed, highly employed hot market already. Not People aren't really wanting to make changes. So you've got kind of culturally some things going against you. So what are some, like what would be your advice for companies that either are known or unknown going into new markets? I mean, what do you feel is working? Where, how are you, how are you kind of breaking through some of those barriers? Well, I think a couple of things. I think the candidates are looking for the company they're looking for tangible, uh, a tangible commitment from the company that they're committed, um, you know, to going into the UK, for example. And, you know, have you signed a long-term lease or, you know, are you in the process of, uh, you know, are, do you have an established place where you're going to be conducting business? Um, you know, or, or do you have temporary space or do you have no space and it's more of a work from home type of environment. And I think people start to read between the lines and, you know, yeah, well, you work from home. Well, gee, then how many people are you hiring? Is it just me or just a couple of us? And you're not even willing to commit to, um, to, 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 a, to a longer term arrangement. Um, in terms of, of, of the office and, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to get untangled if it's, you just have a couple of people working from home. So candidates look, or, or these things mean a lot more to candidates and where somebody at one point might've said, Oh, gee, the flexibility from working from home, that, that sounds great. I don't have to you know worry about the commute. Now, and, and some of these instances are looking at that very differently as maybe they aren't as committed, you know, to this market. So it's gone from a perk to a liability, right? In, in some cases, you know, yes. And so I think that the company, that's just one example, but the company has got to be able to come up with just, um, and, it, and it can't just be a recruiter saying this, but it's got to be, you know, in partnership with, with the, the, you know, the, the, the employer of demonstrating to this candidate why they're committed to the market. And you might have to go into that more than you would think you would have to, or you would normally have to, but not only what the job is, but why are you going there? Why are you going there and not somewhere else? And what have you done there to demonstrate that, Hey, no matter how this comes down, you're still committed. You're going to be there. And I, I think from the recruiter standpoint, what you try and do is you try and get all of this information from the client and you want to make sure that the client is clear about what some of these challenges might be. Um, and so you're getting a lot of this information up front and you're evaluating your, your client and having to make that evaluation. Do we think we can have a successful outcome here? And if you get the information you need and you do think you can have a successful outcome, then I think the job of the recruiter is to kind of drill this down for the candidate is to just, stress this one particular opportunity. You make it about that opportunity, that job, that company, 
not the larger, you know, geopolitical implications and the things that are going on that are basically out of everyone's um, control right now. And so, yeah, I hear this on the news. You see all this. I get it. But let's just talk about this company, this job, this opportunity and drill it down to that and keep the focus there. And, you know, if the company has a compelling offering, you know, then I think you have a chance of, um, you know, having a good outcome. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that it seems to me is that you, that companies have to be much more buttoned up too, right? They have to have, people don't just go in for a salary. They go in for a mission and a vision and an opportunity to make a difference. And like you said, the commitment to that market, not just whether you're committed to the market you're coming from. And I think it really forces companies to just be so much better, if you will, than they may have had to have been before. You know, maybe they even have to be more attractive and and better communicators and have, you know, kind of all the pieces put together that they probably wouldn't have been needing. You know, it would have been okay to do things just kind of lightly and, and, and not fully developed and the strategy still fluctuating, if you will. Yes, I do believe there's, um, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. And I think, you know, one of the answers is, is money. Um, uh, you know, you can say money's not everything, and it certainly isn't everything. But it's a significant part of the, of the deal, you, you know, when somebody is looking, you know, to make a move um, in, in these uncertain times. But it's never the only thing. It's what other perks are there? What are some other things that the company has that can make them stand out? And whether it be uh, uh, from a uh, employee wellness benefits type of thing to, you know, flexibility on work hours or, um, you know, things along those lines or just other innovative ideas that the company has. Um, you know, these are all the types of things that a, that a candidate is 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 looking at and if there is a candidate that that you know does have a unique skill set and you've decided that's the person that, that you need then then the onus probably falls a little bit more on the client to to get it to that point where you you know have to make them an offer they can't refuse type of thing you know we've been talking about the going out and finding the right people which is i think one strategy and then another one probably in parallel is making yourself really attractive to professionals that would fit those roles right so and again that's something that companies probably haven't really had to do so much of in the past but that's you know it's something that they have to do at the same time they're out there really, really aggressively sourcing for candidates, right? Right, right. Because, um, you know, much like, um, you know, the, the, the situation, um, you know, I think, you know, as you know, I'm based in the Silicon Valley, um, you know, here in the, in the United States and where the unemployment rate is just historically low. Um, and so there are not many great candidates that are just sitting on the sidelines that want a perm job really badly that don't have one. 
you know, you have career consultants and things like this and people that might not be in the in the market for, a, you know, a, a, what we would call a direct hire or permanent opportunity. But there aren't a lot of people just saying, man, I really, really, really wish that people in Silicon Valley were hiring so I could get a perm job. I mean, it basically doesn't exist because the unemployment rate is so low. But what you have is the businesses are still growing and adding and you drive down the freeway and you see new construction everywhere is people are not afraid right now to make a move because they say, yeah, I'll just go from company A to company B. And if that doesn't work out, then company C will hire me, you know, three months from now. And so when you get into these situations, like we're talking about, you, you have some similar pressures um, from hiring on, you know, a, a, a um, uh, close to, you know, full employment in the, in the marketplace, but you just don't have people feeling as confident about moving around. And they're thinking, gee, if I leave company A and go to company B and company B, it doesn't work out. There might not be a company C. And when you're feeling like that, or you just tend to hunker down, you, you don't, your inclination for a lot of people is to be risk averse. This isn't the time to make a move. So the company needs to really explain why this is the right thing. And then there have to be some perks in there uh, that, you know, make somebody say, you know what, this, this just does make sense. Um, and I can see this company is committed. I, I don't necessarily think they're going to be, um, you know, impacted given what they do. Um, and I understand the reason that they're coming here. And this looks like an attractive compensation package and a couple of perks. And, you know, that's what it takes to get somebody to, to feel comfortable um, to make a move. So you need to really be pulling on all levers, right? Really great, aggressive recruiting, really fully buttoned up communication, really committed market entry. So not just this light, we're going to do a co-working space maybe for, you know, six months sort of thing. That's just not going to be enough to tip that scale, if you will. Exactly. And I, and I think the, you know, the other part of this is that not all sectors are necessarily going to be impacted the same. Um, you know, they're going to be certain, um, you know, like manufacturing, you know, versus, you know, technology versus, you know, high tech versus some other things. This isn't going to be, I, I don't think a one size fits all if there's a, a no deal, um, you know, Brexit. And, you know, and if you're in um, an industry that looks like it might be impacted more, then, you know, that's where this is going to become even more important than, than potentially an industry that isn't. And then if you're a client that we would typically be working with, which would be somebody in the United States looking to expand um, into the UK, that what you have to understand as a client is if, you know, that situation I described about getting people to move, you know, people, 
if if you're in a sector that you think is not as likely going to be impacted and there's another company in the UK that's in a similar sector that might not be impacted as much you know you might not be as hesitant moving from and the both companies are very established from moving from one of those companies to another one of those companies so if you're coming in as a as a new company with a new offering you know you're very excited about what you're doing and obviously you're doing it well or you wouldn't be expanding but you have to realize that you're competing with those companies as well for the talent and so it's not just necessarily competing with other companies that do what you do but it's competing with these other maybe more established companies um, that might have some of the people that you want and so that's where you know all of these things that we're talking about you know really really come into play it almost seems like companies should kind of mix their talent right they're going to be really really aggressive in some of the areas where they need critical talent but then they need to be open-minded about young up-and-coming talent or people that have skills that are still not fully developed and maybe grow some of their own right in some markets like this would is that something that you're recommending and seeing as well like maybe it's a mix of super expensive you know core talent then and then bring in some people that are just a little less risk adverse and can see this as an opportunity to get move faster up the ladder you know yeah i I think you need what I would call sort of those anchor hires that can come in, establish the location, gives it credibility. And then those people have the background to then that they actually can do a, do a tremendous job of training, you know, the other people that might get hired. And then I think depending on where people are in their life cycle, that somebody with less responsibility might be, and by, I don't, you know, somebody that's um, a recent graduate embarking on their career might be more risk averse than somebody with a mortgage payment, you know, and in, in, um, two kids that are about to start, um, you know, college, you know, or something that and they want to go abroad. You, you, you know, you, so, you know, you have to be able to adapt to the talent pool that's available to you, I guess would be one way to put it. And maybe broaden those expectations a little bit as a new company, because it's gonna be really hard, really slow, and potentially really expensive. Yes, I mean, it, you know, it, it, it could be. You know, we have one client that's, that's looking um, to add sales representatives um, in the UK right now, and they're looking for several, you know, around um, around London. I think that that London is a is a great market, and they need multiple people there. And they're based here in the United States, and you know, sale good salespeople are always in demand. And so, if you're a good salesperson over there, and you're and the client obviously only wants a good salesperson and somebody that's you know a high performer then to to get them to leave that job you know for somebody that's just entering into the market in these uncertain times um it's been one of our more challenging searches and 
you know, I think we've been fortunate enough. We've gotten a, a couple of great people for them. Um, you know, they're, they're still looking, you know, for more and, you know, and I think it is taking longer and, you know, it's been easy. And I think these, this particular company has a good story to tell. And I think it's been easy to get people engaged and easy to, 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 to get a conversation going about the story. But then when push comes to shove, you know, getting the, the, the commitment to actually leave and make the move right now um, has been difficult. Maybe the key is there just having a lot longer leeway of support versus, you know, kind of reduce the risk, if you will, especially for sales, right? Knowing that they've got some cushion to really develop the market instead of the immediate success expectations. Yes, because obviously, you know, the old adage, nothing happens till something gets sold. And then, you know, people are through their budget period oftentimes right now if their fiscal year end was in December. And so they've got plans of, um, you know, what they intend to do from a sales and revenue perspective in 2020. And then that's part of that plan is adding a certain amount of people by a certain date so they can begin producing at a certain date to generate that revenue. And then this is where it does get costly and all of that sort of thing, because if you don't have the salespeople, you have no chance of hitting those revenue targets. And so I think that's where, you know, it's, it's fine to be aggressive. And if the company didn't have that sort of aggressive mentality, um, they wouldn't be expanding internationally. But you have to temper that with a little bit of reality and a little bit of uncertainty because you don't want to get so far, you know, over your skis on what you've uh, committed um, to people that you're going to do. And then all of a sudden it's taking you two or three months longer than you thought to, to get the team on board. Um, you know, so those are just some of the, the difficult moments you have in situations like this. Yeah, and each quarter it starts getting hotter and scarier and those numbers get farther away, don't they? C correct. <laughs> yeah, then it, it starts to become a math problem, um, you know, a few months into the year. And then it, it, it starts to become a real difficult math problem to figure out how to, in this time, how do I get that, that number with these resources? Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. So we know this is a moving target. I mean, I think if our listeners can take anything away, I'd really like them to just know that they need to be flexible and they are, they need to be open-minded and they need to know that it's not going to unfold the way that they think it should and to just know and just have that planned out farther and know that it's going to be slower and more costly and just generally speaking harder for them to succeed, especially for those younger unknown companies. I, I think as you're, as you're formulating these plans, while this is impossible to do with uncertainty, to some degree, though, you do have to try and bake some of that into your plan. And you have to try and account, you know, for, for some of these things and make some uh, educated, you know, guesses without always, um, you know, particularly on the sales side, people always kind of default to the most positive of outcomes. <laughs> and, and if you weren't that way, you wouldn't survive in sales. But when you're in a situation like this, I think you do need to, to, to temper that just a little bit 
and try and have a dose of reality there. And then look, the way this potentially, you know, could shake out better than anybody thinks that it will. And if so, great. Um, but I think what we've seen so far is it's been uh, very unpredictable, um, a, a lot of twists and turns, um, you know, a lot of what at one point seemed like just I'm drawing the line in the sand and this is the deadline and then just sailed right by that deadline without anything happening. Um, and so I just think it, it, it's just very, very difficult to predict. How long do you think this uncertainty, I mean, is going to last? Do you, so let's say it all unfolds fairly surprisingly. Do you think they're just going to continue to make changes probably for the next couple of years? And that, so we really have like a two year window here before they get into some sort of groove or you think it'll happen faster than that? I have no idea, you know, how long that that's going to take. Um, the one thing that I do feel completely certain about is that whatever, however this all winds up being settled, you know, if there's a no deal Brexit or if there is some deal that's worked out, whatever that, you know, some provisions are in that deal is that fast forward a year or two down the road and it will look different than it does that day. I, I think this is something that there are going to be changes. Um, when you get into situations like this, you know, experience tells us that there are usually um, some unintended and unforeseen consequences. Uh, then those have to be remedied. Um, and when you get also into a situation where there's a, this, division and you're 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 trying to you know pacify people that have or appeal to people i should say that the wishes of people that have just diametrically opposed visions um that you get some quirky stuff out of that um you know it's not unheard of when you try and do that that you get something that um you know both sides agree on and then it doesn't work for either one um so I think, you know, you're, you're going to get things like that that come out of this. So even if this gets, um, um, you know, settled to some degree here in the short term, it, it it's not going to be a done deal for a while. That's what I expect as well. And I think that also means that companies that might have been able to navigate an international expansion on their own and kind of just wing it and, you know, do a web version of what they need to do and hope it all comes together. There was enough consistency that you could probably get away with that to an extent. I think that time is not now. And I think it's really critical to have, you know, companies like yours in their, you know, as a part of their team navigating this so that they can stay focused on their business versus kind of the day-to-day -day changes and all the surprises that we know are going to happen here every month. I agree. You know, I, I don't, we don't have any more answers um, than, than anybody else does in terms of how, how things will, 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 um, will, will wind up. But I think we can at least walk people through some of the potential pratfalls that they could be headed for. And maybe they've considered all of them from terrific. And then if they haven't, then, you know, we might Thank be able to steer somebody in a, so. in a little bit more of a favorable direction.
I think that's absolutely right. So for our listeners, I want to make sure that they know, and we'll provide these resources um, in the blog article that supports this podcast, but that they know that you do have a lot of great resources on your website. And just kind of, I think really the key right now is, is pay attention and make sure you're working with people that are also paying attention because it's all we know for sure is that everything's going to be different all the time for quite a while. I think that's safe to say. (laughs) Fair assumption. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anything else that you want to make sure that our listeners know about this? Any, any other tips of kind of how to stay on top of this? No, I would say that, you know, look, if you, if you've made the determination that, you know, that, that this type of expansion, expanding into the UK, that type of thing is, you know, good for your business and you've got a big market there, then I don't think companies um, should be afraid to do that. Um, But I think you just have to go into it with your eyes wide open. Um, And then I think, you know, and a lot of it depends on the scale that you're doing and so forth. So I, I don't think this message is, look, you just forget it. You can't hire people there. There's no business there. You, you know, that that's not the message at all. But I think the message is that it's uncertain. Um, and when it's uncertain, um, the, the outcome's uncertain. Uh, that can kind of bog down a recruiting cycle. It can uh, get people hunkered down on their current jobs. So it's a little bit easier, a little bit tougher to pull people out and get them to move from one place to another. That takes more time. Whenever things take more time, there's always a financial impact to it. So you just need to consider those things you know, ahead of time. I think that's absolutely right. Bill, I want to thank you again for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you as our guest. And, you know, for all our listeners, make sure that you join Globeek's Resource Hub since it's free and there's a lot of great information about doing business internationally and especially working together with great services like Gava Talent Solutions and the Global Upside Corporation. So, It'll make your day-to-day a whole lot more productive and all of this uncertainty, at least you'll be ahead of the curve. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast channel for more fascinating and fantastic international expansion podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. My pleasure.